Schuplotler. S-C-H. Is this the only pronunciation? It's the only one that I have. Schuplotler. Can I start over? Of course. Hello, I'm Paul Leffler, and welcome to the Scripps National Spelling Bee Podcast. Bee Week is right around the corner, and this podcast is your home for all the excitement and anticipation that goes into this beloved American tradition. It's my great pleasure to serve as a TV commentator for the Scripps National Spelling Bee, and in that role, I've been privileged to see some truly brilliant young people compete. Spellers at the top level have a fantastic ability to focus. So without getting up close and personal, you might not know just how accomplished they are in other fields like mathematics and music. Today's guest is a special talent in those two disciplines who also happens to be the 2007 Scripps National Spelling Bee champion, Evan O'Dorney. I find spelling and math really are opposites, and it just happens to be that I have this sort of brain that excels in both of them. I spoke with Evan about his past in spelling, his present in mathematics, and the philosophy that prepares him for the future. He joined us from Cambridge, Massachusetts, where he's graduating from a certain university next week. Hi, my name is Evan O'Dorney, and I'm the 2007 Spelling Bee Champion, and I'm about to graduate from Harvard. But for Evan, it all started from a place called home. I was homeschooled up through 12th grade. In ninth grade, I began taking math classes from UC Berkeley in their concurrent enrollment program. So now I'm at Harvard. So after this is over, I am going to the University of Cambridge for a year. And so then I'm going to Princeton to get my PhD. And what will your PhD be in? Math, specifically number theory. Uh Uh-huh. There's one other person on record who did both spelling bees and math competitions, Allison Miller. She also went to Harvard, followed by Cambridge, uh, followed by Princeton. And I'm looking to work with her advisor, who is a mathematician at Princeton, who recently won the Fields Medal. His name is Manjul Bargava, and I did my senior thesis on explaining and extending his work. He gave me, when I visited, some unsolved research problems that I may end up working on over the summer. Unsolved, as in no one's ever been able to figure them out. Yeah, math is an interesting subject. There are so many levels that you can think of it like a tree where everybody starts at the trunk with arithmetic up through calculus, and then you start to branch into different fields and you see that since at every stage you have decisions on what area you're going through, after a certain amount of years, the number of problems grows exponentially. So it gets to the point where there are far more problems than mathematicians have time for, and you just kind of pick one. It's kind of exciting. It's a, a bit like you're uh, exploring a corner of the world that no one's ever seen before, huh? Yeah, it is. And sometimes that's what the spelling bee's like, too, when you're up there at the microphone and you hear a word that you've never heard before. Does that seem like ancient history to you now, your spelling bee days? Yeah, and spelling is very different. The dictionary only has 2,662 pages, and the words are all there. So it's a lot more finite than math. Yep. (laughs) What do you remember about the spelling bee? I mean, do you still go around dancing an impromptu shoe plotler or what? 
it's really faded in my background. It's like a few days ago, the Catholic Students Association in Harvard had a party to celebrate the seniors, and they flashed a bunch of pictures they found online, and they flashed some spelling bee pictures of me, and a lot of the students, and even the priest there, never knew that I was in spelling bees. Are you ever in a situation like that, where when people see the pictures, then they're like, oh, you're that guy, I remember seeing you on TV. Oh yeah, there are people who run into me from time to time, and I mean, I've grown so much that it's hard to catch it just by looking at my face, but there are still people who, when I meet them, for instance, I say my name is Evan, and they might ask, oh, what's your last name? And sometimes they have heard of me and will realize who I am. Do you have a favorite word that you got or a least favorite word that you got in competition? Well, certainly when I look back on when I won, everyone remembers the last word, but the last word was not the hardest word. It was the word Corinne that really got me to the point where I was likely to win, and that was back in round six, and it's spelled C-O-R-I-N-N-E. It means the common gazelle. And to my knowledge, it's not found in any dictionary other than Webster's Third, the official one for the spelling bee. So it's kind of a ghost word. So you really have to have studied all of those, or at least the right ones, if you're going to get a word like that right. Yeah, we found ways of spending more time on the words that they're most likely to ask. You mentioned being homeschooled through 12th grade as your primary mode of education. And I mean, when you're going to UC Berkeley for math classes as a, you know, a freshman in high school, obviously you're getting it from a lot of sources. But what do you think that uh, homeschooling experience did for you? It really allowed me to be myself because especially longer ago, some people on the internet conjectured that I was autistic I've never been diagnosed autistic, but I have something of the sort, and it took a long time for my mother to teach me to relate to people, especially to my peers, and to initiate conversations, respond to questions, and I'm very grateful to her for teaching me that, something which is so basic for most people. And conversely, with things like math, allowing me to be myself and go at my own pace, which was to read very advanced things at an early age. Yeah, when did that all start? When do you remember just uh, having this voracious appetite for, for gobbling up math and or spelling? Oh, well, it's not so much that I remember, because this goes back nearly to my birth. I was doing addition by the time I was two and learning to read at around the same time. What are your favorite books? I always like to check counting books out of the library when I was young. And we got videos. There was like Richard Scarry's best counting video ever. I would watch that one over and over again. <laughs> Richard Scarry's the best. One, two, three, four... Five bunny frogs. <laughs> Five.
brushes. Five. <laughs> you know, you were talking about how much you appreciate your mother, not just for you know the academic guidance that she gave you in homeschooling, but in helping you relate to other people. Yeah. When you think back on all the years that you competed in the spelling bee, do you have some friends from those days? Were, were those experiences kind of formative in that dynamic and what you're talking about now? I wouldn't say so. My formation of friendships didn't come until much later. And now that I've come to Harvard, I've gotten to experience friendship even more and grow in it. And there's a guy named CJ who graduated from Harvard last year, and he is really my first permanent friend. And we've been corresponding about once every month, sharing our experiences with our lives. And it's wonderful because we're both Catholic. The way I originally met him is that he had founded a group that prayed the rosary every night. He actually is autistic and he was homeschooled and he also has had some great spiritual experiences, as have I. And so we, we write to one another about how we think that God is touching our lives as well as the more mundane things. Is there any advice that you would share for a young boy or girl who's going into the spelling bee for the first time in Washington? Uh, maybe something that you learned through your years there that you think helped you eventually become the champion? My only reason, or my primary reason, for going after the spelling bee was the Mount Everest reason. It's difficult and it's there. Well, and you, you made it to the summit, and you got a pretty good chunk of change for doing it. Did you splurge at all with any of your winnings? Did you buy something that you had been hoping for for a while? No. I really have never in my life had a real attachment to money or material things. I think it's one of the blessings of living in a house like I did, where my dad collects all kinds of large and variably useful items that he finds at work or in the dumpster or wherever he might happen to be journeying. And so there's stuff everywhere in my house. And so I got to learn that stuff is not necessarily good. I think that a lot of people haven't learned that. Wow. What do you value the most? Well, time is a lot more valuable. There's so little time. There, Harvard, when I came to Harvard, there were so many activities that blew my mind away. It's like I've never known that something like this could exist, and I want to give myself to it to help it flourish. But the more years I spent here, the more I realized it's really impossible to do that with all of the good and right things that are going on here.
So sometimes time can be a matter of the simplest things, like just spending an afternoon on the couch with my mother and being present there. How old are you? 21. You've got wisdom beyond your years, my friend. Thank you. How would you explain what words mean to you now? The more I've grown, the more I realize that words are a sign of a people, of a community, of a culture. And every word in existence was invented by somebody. And I've made my own meager contributions in some of my essays as far as using words that the speller checker does not recognize even though they're made perfectly in conformity with existing words. And lexicography is really a much less exact science than people realize. You've got words that maybe have been used 10,000 times or 1,000 times or 100 times or 10 times. And you really have to make arbitrary choices about what to include because a language is not anything fixed. It's boundaries both with other languages and with the past and with the future are always uncertain. And when did you get into music? Because I remember during your spelling bee days, you were pretty adept in the musical world too. Yeah, I started the piano when I was nearly five years old. When I was nine, we found a way for me to take piano and composition lessons at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. At Harvard, I've been taking music classes, so I've earned a secondary field, which is Harvard's term for a minor. And I've also been playing the organ and piano at the local Catholic church. It's really insightful what you shared, and it's, it's really interesting to hear your take and to see all these years later, or at least hear you, and, and understand the different things that you've been through and how you've uh, grown into the man you are. It's really fascinating. All right. Thank you. Evan O'Dorney is the 2007 Scripps National Spelling Bee Champion and Living Proof. That paying attention to young spellers means getting to see some of the brightest young minds of their generation at work. Evan will soon graduate from Harvard, then he'll trade one Cambridge for another as a Churchill Scholar with eventual plans for a Ph.D. at Princeton. Thanks for listening to the Scripps National Spelling Bee Podcast. And remember, this is a special series, so catch up on all the episodes and let us know what you think. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, at Spelling Bee Pod. And you can email us anytime, spellingbeepodcast at scripps.com. For the Scripps National Spelling Bee Podcast, I'm Paul Leffler.